All right, welcome back to episode 23 of Inside Illini Football. I'm News Gazette Sports Editor Matt Daniels here on a mid-June Wednesday afternoon. Really, it's kind of the middle of June. June 16th, sunny day outside here in Champaign, and pleased to be joined by the sunny face of Scott Ritchie, who's filling in for Colin Likas this week as... High school sports never end, and Colin is in Peoria today covering the uh, IHSA softball state tournament. We have two local teams, Unity High School in Tolono and Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond playing in Peoria, trying for a state title today. So I dragged Scott Ritchie and his mustache into the podcast booth. Hi, Scott. Hi. Um, that's the, actually the second time in three days I've been described as sunny, so um, I must just be giving off some kind of vibe. Uh, but yeah... Uh, me and my mustache are here to record uh, an Illinois football podcast. Well, uh, big. Uh, it's been kind of a slow week, I'd say, on, on the Illinois football front. Uh, we'll have more coverage coming up in the next couple of days in the News Gazette uh, related to Illinois football. Uh, Josh Whitman, the Illinois athletic director, is scheduled to have a media roundtable uh, later this afternoon, probably when you're listening to this award-winning podcast, his annual uh, year in review kind of look back. It'll actually be in person this year. Last year was on Zoom, um, but he's, Scott will be there for that. Bob Osmussen will be as well. And then on Thursday afternoon, Brett Bielema and his staff are uh, they're welcoming the media into the Smith Center. I mean, this is when I wish I was still covering football almost because, <laughs> like, Bob and everybody else, they're, they're going to go on a – Essentially an unofficial visit, uh-huh. a recruiting trip. About uh, two and a half hours on Thursday, they're going to have dinner on the roof at the Smith Center with Brett Bielema. So, uh, and, like, if they get to play mini golf, then I will be super jealous. Maybe some bowling. I, I mean, I got the email about it, so I should have just RSVP. It was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to come, but like, I'm not going to write anything. I'm not going to ask any questions. I just want to see all the cool things, maybe do a little bowling, and of course, mini golf on the roof. Well, we'll have more coverage on that later this week in the News Gazette. Uh, Robin Schultz, our photo photo editor, uh, will be out there as well, planning on running some really cool photos from that tour, uh, most likely in Sunday's paper, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. But just in kind of an homage to Josh Whitman holding his media roundtable later this afternoon, and actually it's, it's held at a roundtable. It usually is. I mean, it has been. It well, has it been. I don't like know about a, today. An oblong table. Yes. An oval. Over, yeah. at, over at Bielefeld. Uh, yeah, but this, I mean, this is the first, that's not true. I did some in-person tennis interviews with Brad Dancer and some of the guys. Um, but the first time we've spoken with Josh Whitman. In person. In person. And, you know, since what, March. Was 13th. It March? Yeah, mm-hmm. 2020. Um, first time we've spoken with him just in general and quite a while as well so be interesting to kind of see what comes of that and also just you know we'll see people in person and if you've been vaccinated which uh i have and also get vaccinated yes i don't have to wear a mask mm-hmm. it'll be like it's a normal thing yeah it's been weird i've, I've been out covering um uh, i covered three high school baseball games in the last week all postseason games and they felt normal people are outside and i'm doing in-person interviews with coaches and athletes and covered a game monday evening over in decatur at the millican university great facility by the way i know this is a podcast dedicated to illinois football but for a division three school the workman baseball family field over there in decatur is fantastic they're about a, probably seven eight hundred people 
at the the game I cover on Monday night between St. Joseph Ogden and, and Springfield Sacred Heart Griffin. So it just kind of felt good to to do this. So hopefully this is a step in the right direction. I guess there was news last Friday now that I think about it with, with Illinois football announcing that they're going to go full capacity, 100% uh, attendance is in play for the, the 2021 season. And that really didn't come as a surprise considering Illinois opened up back uh, last Friday to phase five. Uh, so that was that seemed to kind of coincide with the news from from the state in, in that regard. So curious to see how that all plays out, how many Nebraska fans are probably trying to buy tickets right now for the, the August 28th uh, season opener here in Champaign. Yeah, well, uh, according to Jason Hagemeyer, who's the uh, assistant associate athletic director. He's the ticket guy at Illinois. For ticket sales. Yes. Um, there are people like in Omaha and Lincoln that have already purchased tickets for that. Oh, yeah. zero season opener mm-hmm. and you know, I remember the last time Nebraska played in Champaign an awful lot of people in red showed up for that game so that that's just uh, your warning I suppose Illinois fans like if you I mean there's going to be tickets available I don't think I'm curious with that just you know you don't be outnumbered when that game when when they announced the, the kick time for that one I was kind of a little surprised that they're doing a noon kickoff I get it it's going to be on Fox Foxes try to play up these last couple football seasons. They're a big noon kickoff, but to me that seems like a game that late August in Champaign you have a noon kickoff. Might be a little warm, might be a little toasty on those bleachers at Memorial Stadium. Uh, maybe like a six o'clock kick would be more ideal for the fans, but definitely more fan friendly. Um, I, I took. I, I imagine took, Colin and Bob are thrilled that it's a, a noon yes, kick. I am too. <laughs> I took. Uh, I took one weather-related class in college uh, down at uh, the Harvard of the Midwest at Eastern Illinois, Eastern Illinois University, and I don't remember the title of the class, but I do remember this one nugget that our professor dropped on us, and that it, at noon, that's when it's the hottest point of the day, because the sun is the closest to the earth, I guess, in, in that I didn't take this class. Yeah, so. I did really well, you can tell by my explanation of this, but... So yeah, it'll be a little warm uh, on the season opener. Let's hope the, but hey, it could be you know seventy five with a nice breeze and a picture perfect day to kick off the season. You never can be sure what the weather's going to be like here in in Champaign. But you know, fans and potentially lots of them, yes, so maybe sixty thousand ish. I mean, that's the capacity. Mm-hmm. But sixty thousand six seventy, uh, they can show up, and that's mm-hmm. that's nice. All right, uh, going back to my earlier point, kind of in homage to Josh Whitman meeting with the media this afternoon, we figured we'd kind of have just a kind of a broad discussion, kind of a 30,000-foot view of, of what I guess I'm referring to this podcast as the Whitman era with Illinois football. Um, he's been the Illinois Athletic Director since, is the official date like mid-February 2016? Are we going early March 2016? What What is it, Scott? I mean... I like his first official day wasn't until like early, early March. March because it was his first official day, and then he also fired Bill Cuban exactly on that day. But I, I think he was introduced in February. Yeah, he just had to wrap some things up at at Wash, Wash U. U. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, early spring, <laughs> late winter, however you want to view it. Okay, so he's been here. He's been here more than five years. Uh, gone through five football seasons at Illinois. Figured we'd kind of break it into four different parts. Uh, we'll kind of look at on the field, uh, facilities, uh, hirings, firings, and kind of looking ahead as well. So those are the the concrete categories we came up with in our uh, 
about two minute pre-production meeting before we headed into the podcast booth. So on the field, we'll start with that. Just results haven't been pretty for Illinois. Poor. That's mostly. That's a f- accurate and fair way to describe it. Uh, in five seasons uh, that Josh Whitman has been the athletic director at his alma mater for the football program that he played for in the late 90s, experienced some success too, and also some some tough years as well. The 1997 season, they went 0-11, but then went to micronpc.com bowl in, in 1999 when he was a key contributor at tight end. Illinois 17-40 and 40 overall. I did not have time to fact-check that against the rest of the Big Ten, but I feel pretty confident in saying that's arguably one of the worst or second-worst records in the Big Ten. Maybe Rutgers is I mean, worse. Rutgers is in that conversation, although... There were like there's at least one Chris Ash year where they like were semi decent like maybe his first year. I don't, I don't think records has been good since Kyle Flood got fired. They haven't been really good since Greg Schiano was in his first stint in Piscataway. <laughs> since he was you know, the coach there before. Um I, know, I feel like they had like one like not terrible year. Well they had one not terrible yeah. year, so probably it, if they're not fourteenth, they're thirteenth. Seventeen and forty overall record, uh, only ten and thirty-four in the Big Ten. Here's the year-by-year records uh, for the Illini in the last five seasons with Josh Whitman as the athletic director: three and nine in 2016, included two and seven in the Big Ten. 2017 took way took a step back, went two and ten, zero oh and nine in the Big Ten. 2018, four and eight overall, two and seven in the Big Ten. 2019 is kind of considered the well, it is the most successful year of the Lovey Smith era. The, the, I think a lot of people were thinking that was going to be the breakthrough season to kind of get Illinois football kind of back on the right track. Uh, but they finished six and seven overall, four and five in the Big Ten, and then last year's uh, condensed, bungled season uh, of, of the COVID nineteen era. They went two and six overall, two and six in the Big Ten since they played all eight games against Big Ten foes. Um, Scott, just what when, and this kind of dives into our next topic too on hirings and firings. But when Illinois brought aboard Lovey Smith in March of 2016, did you think, as you'd be sitting here in June of 2021, that I'd say Illinois went 17 and 40 in the subsequent five seasons? Probably not that bad, mm-hmm. but I mean, also I I think when Lovey Smith was hired, you couldn't. I think with any confidence, really know what the future would hold you know, with him as coach, just because it had been two decades since he'd been a college coach, two decades since he had recruited. It was, it was a big swing by Josh Whitman and a splashy hire. on the football like was suddenly talk was being talked about quite a bit, just because okay, this was a coach that took the Chicago Bears to the Super Bowl, and now he's the coach at Illinois, and like the people were like, "Wow, that's kind of strange," but like maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is what Illinois football needed to kind of snap out of its place in the Big Ten, which is just kind of, I mean, and also ran a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's competitive years every so often, but nothing really on a super consistent basis. Um, and then it just didn't work. Um, you know, that first year, there's a lot of returning players. Um, maybe... You know, thinking was like, okay, there's some experience there. Maybe this group could be better than expected, and, and 
it just didn't happen. And then Lovey Smith, he just blew it up. And it started the next year, it started 21 true freshmen, 23 total true freshmen played. Like, So, I mean, there's rebuilding and then there's tearing a program down to the studs and completely reshaping everything. Yeah, I mean, you look back at the 2016 season, uh, a lot of a lot of buzz early on. Uh, you know, Murray State came to town for that first game, and Illinois took the Racers with the woodshed, which they should do against an FCS program. But they won convincingly, 52 to three. Had a lot of people, a lot of buzz going into that next home game against North Carolina, <clears throat> sellout at Memorial Stadium, the last sellout that has been at Memorial Stadium, and the Mitchell Trubisky led <laughs> Tar Heels. Um, Took it to the Illini. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn ripped off a big run or a touchdown run early in that game. That was the loudest I'd heard Memorial Stadium in quite some time. And then North Carolina just kind of picked them apart the rest of the game and, and won 48 to 23. And then the next week, PJ Fleck comes to town as the coach of Western Michigan, rows the boat, sprints down up and down the sidelines, dives, I think, headfirst into his players in the visiting locker room after the game. Uh, just took Illinois to the wet, which had two one thirty four to ten, and then it was kind of, then you kind of started the the optimism kind of started to fade, and you were thinking, oh, this is going to be a a relatively long season. Highlight at the end of the year, uh, I guess if you want to call it one, they did beat Michigan State of, of under Mark D'Antonio, which the Spartans really struggled that year, but uh, did have a win there, and then just just kind of played really bad after that though. So twenty sixteen wasn't a, a great sign either. Uh, 2017, uh, really took a turn for the worst, uh, didn't win a big 10 game, uh, went 0 and 9, had to eke out a win against Ball State in the season opener, which was a, a cool moment too, because Mikey Dudek came back after battling through some injuries, uh, had a key punt return, caught a touchdown pass. So that was kind of a, a cool moment. And then they beat Western Kentucky. They're 2 and 0, feeling good here in Champaign. And then Scott Ritchie goes down to Tampa, Florida, Watch Illinois play South Florida on a Friday night and three days after a hurricane. Exactly. Yes, man, that was that was only four years ago, Scott. Yeah, that and there were like there were still parts ago. of Tampa that not, did not have power um, when I was there. Strange trip, and uh, then not a great game. And then Illinois lost every game the rest of the season after that. So uh, that's when, like you mentioned too, they they kind of went full bore on uh, playing young players, mainly true freshmen, hoping for a long term payoff. Uh, that payoff didn't come in 2018, although they did double their win total in, in 2018. Um, I think a lot of people can look back at that season and the South Florida game earlier in the year is kind of a key turning point, I guess you could say. There were 2-0 going into that game after beating Kent State and Western Illinois at home, eking out a season opening win against Kent State in your third year is never a good sign. Uh, but that's what Illinois did. And then Played that game up at Soldier Field in South Florida, rallied in the fourth quarter in front of a mostly empty Soldier Field, a socially distanced crowd at Soldier Field before we all knew what those terms meant. And then, But still, there was some buzz going into that Friday night game against Penn State here in Champaign, and Trace McSorley and the Lions just took it to him in the fourth quarter and ended up winning 63-24. Yeah. And, I mean, and that game was relatively close. For the two, first three quarters, man. Yeah, and then... Yeah. That was the first of at least three games where Illinois gave up 63 points that year. Uh, So uh, that's not ideal. No, and then they they rebounded the following week, won at Rutgers, Lovey Smith's first Big Ten win. Uh, So there was still some kind of, 
energy, momentum. Purdue was coming into town. It was homecoming. You thought the Boilermakers might be a team that Illinois could beat. And then Purdue just ran them off the field, uh, 146-7. to Hardy Nickerson eventually resigns as defensive coordinator later in the season uh, after losing 63-33 at Maryland. They did have, um, you know, a big win against Minnesota. Reggie Corbin, Dre Brown, I think, are still running for touchdowns as we speak. But also, too, that season, just looking back at all this, too, it's kind of hard to – it all blurs together, you know, when you're in the thick of covering it and everything. But that was the year Iowa came to town and beat them 63 nothing in Champaign on senior day. So – yeah, that and then was, like the lasting image of that game for me is the like two Illinois fans sitting in the the north end zone, <laughs> just in the the two of them by the end of the game. That was, yes. that was all that was left. Twenty nineteen though, most positive season in at least eight seasons for Illinois football. Sure, uh, kind of took the Big Ten by surprise. Uh, arguably the. I would say the greatest win for Illinois football in the Whitman era so far is that uh, that upset of, of number six, Wisconsin, 24-23 on homecoming. October 19th, when the program really was kind of at a at a crossroads, they started out 2-0, and but then lost four straight, including a home loss to Eastern Michigan. Um, James McCourt, obviously with the game-winning field goal, fans stormed the field, uh, and then they rattled off wins at Purdue, at home against Rutgers, and then the epic comeback at Michigan State. To clinch uh, a bull berth, they're at six and four. At that point, thinking, okay, maybe they get to seven and five. Heck, maybe let's just maybe they get to eight and four. They had to go to Iowa the next week and, and close the season at home against Northwestern and kept it close at Iowa. Lost though, nineteen to ten, uh, and then just really did not show up in the the loss against Northwestern on Senior Day. That seemed that was a theme. It seems yeah, Senior Day didn't bring out the best. I mean that day. like Northwestern has had Illinois' number for a while now. Uh, but that game in particular for a bowl-bound Illinois team, Andrew Marty was quarterbacking quarterback. the Wildcats that game. And, I mean, if you've never heard of him, uh, no one had. <laughs> and he just – they couldn't stop him. And mm-hmm. that, that was, to me, uh, a bad sign. And if they lose that game, then go to the bowl game, Red Box Bowl out in San Francisco. You were there. Fun time. Yeah. Uh, and then they lose to Cal. So, I mean, after that Michigan State win, they, like, they lose out. To, to end the season, that sort of zaps uh, some of the good feeling. I yeah, think, and then and then obviously uh, had a lot of returnees for the 2020 season, and then the world changed in, in mid March 2020, and then um, obviously go from not having a season to then having a season, and just all sorts of fluctuations with the Big Ten, uh, and then they play a Big Ten only schedule and. Um, Lovey Smith talked all of last season going into it about how this was the most experienced team he'd had and he was right and how the expectations were to improve on the field and kind of build off what they did in 2019 and they instead took a step back last year finished two and six in the Big Ten and overall uh, which leads us to our next uh, we're kind of going to jump around here a little bit um, kind of went a little bit longer than I anticipated just kind of breaking down the on-field results uh, hirings and firings uh, like we said, Josh Whitman certainly made a splash, um, certainly generated a lot of attention towards Illinois' way. On the first Saturday in March of 2016, when most casual sports fans are worrying about college basketball conference tournaments starting or uh, in the process of and kind of looking forward to March Madness, and then he fires Bill Cubitt. And two days later, was it two days later? Yeah, Cubitt fired got fired Cubitt on, on a Saturday. Saturday. Smith was hired on Monday. 
I think I'm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was in. They did the, Sunday. There was some. Okay, I think that's going to happen. But yeah. then Monday was official, official announcement. Show. Was Monday. Uh, a whirlwind time here in Champaign. Um, obviously, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier too. Illinois, from a from an optics standpoint, from a um, I guess trying to restore confidence in a fan base that kind of had lost confidence in the football program. The hiring of Lovey Smith was at the time Illinois won the day when he was hired. He, the, Illinois was the talk of college football on March seventh, twenty sixteen, when he was introduced, um, you know, to a packed house at the Hall of Fame room. We had our radio show at the Esquire. There were people standing out on Walnut Street trying to get into. Uh, the popular downtown establishment to see Lovey Smith. Uh, students were taking selfies with him at the union. They were flooding him. And he was treated like a rock star that day. Um, but looking back on it, there were obvious, obvious warnings that maybe you could have looked at and said, don't do this. Don't do this. The fact that he hadn't recruited in college in more than two decades, the fact that he kind of built his staff with a mixture of college guys and NFL types, uh, it didn't seem compared to what we're, what we've experienced these last six months, uh, in the Brett Bielema era, it didn't really seem that Lovey Smith. And again, too, part of it was the timing of his hire. He was hired the first week in March. The signing class had already signed a month before under Bill Cubitt. He basically didn't have a full recruiting cycle to get to, but Brett Bielma seems to have come in with a recruiting plan and they're executing said recruiting plan and he has known ties and he knows how the college game works even after being in the NFL for three seasons and assistant. It seemed Lovey Smith was always trying to kind of play catch up especially on the recruiting front and really kind of try to build his roster up through transfers and grad transfers and never really seemed to kind of strike a right chord with uh, especially a lot of the top high school programs in the state. Well, yeah, because he didn't really recruit Illinois that well, yeah. or at all. Um, although, I mean, his first class, I think, had, what, 11 players? His first full class, I mm-hmm. suppose. It had 11 players from the state, and it was like, okay, that's... Yeah. It's like Kendra Green was in that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now going to start at center for the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. Great get. Mm-hmm. Um, then he just... That just tailed off to, to nothing, mm-hmm. essentially. And you mentioned, you know, he kind of... I was always playing from behind on the recruiting front. And then he hamstrung himself with his staff hires because at any point in any year, like there were three, four, you know, really just real recruiters mm-hmm. on the roster and out of 11, that's a 10, well, 10 and then, you know, 11 assistant coaches. And it's not enough. Yeah. And there were guys on the staff that just didn't want to recruit because mm-hmm. they, I mean, they had pro backgrounds. Yeah. Or wanted to get back to the pro game, and that's just—it's not how you can build a, a college program. And he mentioned his sort of his first day in Champaign, where he was just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Then we never saw Lovey Smith again. <laughs> and I mean, he just was either at Memorial Stadium, mm-hmm. at you know his office, mm-hmm. at his home, mm-hmm. and then you just—he didn't see him out and about. Yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think, a pro-coach mm-hmm. mentality, but it doesn't necessarily work for college football unless, I mean, 
Maybe you're Nick Saban. I don't know how much he's out and about in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Uh, it was interesting too because uh, what was it after the 2018 season uh, after Illinois finished four and eight, uh, Lovey Smith at the time sitting with a a nine and 27 overall record at Illinois. Um, you go nine and 27 in a lot of Power Five programs, you're mainly going to be on the hot seat going into your fourth season if you get a fourth season. And Josh Whitman gave him a two year contract extension that was kind of ridiculed by some national media types and I think it was done mainly just to kind of let recruits know in the future that okay the program's on solid footing this is a total rebuild job we're not gonna you know break away from this but then obviously two years two seasons later Whitman decides to break away and and fires Lovey Smith after the 2020 season or not even after the 2020 season with a week left in the 2020 season um which surprised me I really didn't think he would fire Lovey Smith after his fifth season. Just, I think, partially because... That was his and, guy. Yeah, and also, I mean, the 2020 season, I mean, it counted in a way, but yeah, like it, it, was, exactly. it was such a mess from the Big Ten yes. from the top down that it's like, okay, well, you can just put this aside. And mm-hmm. With the idea that, if you look at the roster now, like, 21 super seniors back. I mean, mm-hmm. he, Lovey Smith would have had the same team, essentially, Um and I mean that same, which team. you could argue is a good and bad thing. So because that that team did go two and six, yes. So we'll see what Brett Bielma can you know, do with that. But yeah, it was a bit of a surprise that he was fired. But I mean, if you take off the okay, this is Josh Whitman's guy goggles, it's like that was the right move to make mm-hmm. because yeah. the program had stagnated the yes. the one bowl season. They hadn't yeah. been able to build off of yeah, and I mean, and that ended poorly even mm-hmm. with three straight losses. Yeah. So. I mean, that's a move I think every athletic director in the country makes. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Um, and then uh, kind of goes to, I believe, probably the most watched MAC title game in Champaign-Urbana history on the, on the Friday night uh, before Brett Bielema is introduced because of all the names that were kind of bandied about. And, and say, this, what you, say, this, say what you want about women, too. Overall, his moves, decisions he's had to make. Again, I don't envy a Power 5 athletic director. I mean, it'd be nice to kind of have the the salary and the purse that they have, but they're faced with constant, unrelenting pressure day in and day out with every decision they make, and it's scrutinized and analyzed every which way. Um, But he does move fast when he hires coaches. Uh, The Lovey Smith hire was done in about 48 hours. That was – he had that lined up before he fired Cubitt. He hires Brett Bielema six days after uh, he fires Lovey Smith. And um, that, too, I think speaks to kind of what he was trying to trying to look for. And he, he talked about this. And then the day they announced Bielema's hire, that they looked at guys that had been at programs that had rebuilt, had been at rebuilt programs that had sustained success. And Bielema kind of fit that bill, being at, at Iowa and Kansas State as an assistant, and obviously his success <clears throat> at Wisconsin. Um, didn't end well for him in his last head coaching stint in Arkansas, but I think overall it kind of in I'm sure he gained a ton of experience in those five years from hiring Lovey Smith to hiring Brett Bielema and what he wants out of a head football coach. Because I think he's a realistic person as well and um he he's followed sports his whole life, especially college athletics. He knows that most athletic directors, especially in this day and age, don't get a chance to hire a third football coach if their first two don't work out. So he needs Brett Bielema to 
to work out and and get Illinois football back on solid footing in in the Big Ten and um, so far it seems the enthusiasm for Illinois football is again you take it with a grain of salt too because you're excited about Illinois football but then they kind of have let you down in the past you kind of say it with a jaded jaded mindset I guess but the way the schedule set up for the 2021 season the number of returnees they have back the way he's attacked recruiting so far especially in state I think those are all those are all positive signs and and reasons why Josh Whitman felt confident in in hiring Bielema as the next Illinois coach yeah and I mean we're obviously still in the, the honeymoon period. Yes, he hasn't Bielema. lost a game yet. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. You know, if, like Nebraska comes in town and wins August forty-five and, to ten. Then yeah, it's... we'll see what the reaction is <laughs> then. But um, I mean, Brett Bielma is a proven winner mm-hmm. in college football, and you, know, you said you know things didn't end well at Arkansas. It didn't end well in the SEC. I mean, in the SEC, like if Brett Bielma did it, does at Illinois what mm-hmm. he did at Arkansas, like they'll start. You know, putting together ideas for the statue. <laughs> I mean, the SEC success is sort of gauged on a different mm-hmm. scale, I yeah. think. Um, as long time, as several long time Illinois fans have described to me, all they want to do every winter is go someplace warm to watch Illinois football play. They're not, you know, shouting from the rooftops to win a national title or get out of here. They just want to. They want to be able to have a team that's consistently competitive in the Big Ten and winds up in a bowl game uh, at the end of the season. And, like, avoids Detroit and New York. <laughs> yes, <maybe>. exactly. <laughs> More trips to San Francisco or maybe Florida. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, who knows what will actually happen in the Brett Bielma era, but I feel like every move he's made so far in, in six months mm-hmm. is, like, the right move to make if you're trying to win back a fan base that has, if you look at the attendance over the last couple of years, has abandoned yeah. Illinois football for the most part. Well, and this this thing, this point I'm trying to make, I'm going to make too, it's not a dig on Lovey Smith. Every person handles themselves differently. They all have different personalities, how they view things. Brett Bielema seems to really want to be here. That's the vibe he gives off. That's the persona he's putting out there in the public. Lovey Smith didn't do that. Uh, so I think that's kind of a huge difference. I think that's going to make a difference for him, especially early on if they do go through some struggles that, okay, the fan base might be more willing to stick with him where Lovey Smith just kind of had a kind of an apathetic attitude towards a lot of things. He was Lovey Smith, I think, after watching him for five years at Illinois, he is definitely suited to coach in the NFL where football is the number one, number two, number three, number four priorities. That's not the case necessarily being a Big Ten football coach. There's a lot of other hats you have to wear, and I think Brett Bielma seems more comfortable in those roles than Lovey Smith was uh, here at Illinois. Yeah, and I don't know that we should be surprised by that. I mean, yeah. he spent two decades in the mm-hmm. NFL after you know, starting his coaching career in college. I mean, and he made that move, I think, for a reason. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where he saw his career going, and then he was the head coach of two different organizations. I mean, that, that was successful. Just you know, I hope that the Texans give him enough time to mm-hmm. install his defense because you know five years at Illinois apparently wasn't wasn't enough. Um, but you know that's where I think that's where he belongs, and I think there's a reason you know because he, he could just retire. Yeah, I mean he's made a lot of money. 
But there's a reason he went back to an NFL mm-hmm. job. Like that's, I think that's where his comfort zone is. All right, another uh, category here. As we kind of wrap this up in the next few minutes, we'll kind of go kind of rapid fire on these. But uh, facilities. Um, there's a big, shiny new building on the east side of Memorial Stadium that wasn't here when Josh Whitman arrived on campus that he kind of helped push through uh, the, the Smith Center. Uh, cost almost $80 million. The team's own standalone facility. Um, it's got all the bells and whistles you'd want out of a modern facility now. And um, it'd be, you know, you can say what you want. Oh, they shouldn't have done this or whatever. But what really matters is what 17, 18-year-olds think that come on visits that are potential recruits. And if they're wowed by the Smith Center, then that's a – and they want to come play football at Illinois and they're good football players and they help turn the program around, then that was a wise investment by Illinois because their facilities had lagged behind – their counterparts in the Big Ten for for quite some time, and they can't. You can't have other schools say that now about Illinois because the Smith Center takes care of all of all of those concerns. Um, when he what was his first seven months, I think in September 2016, Whitman kind of unveiled some lavish plans for some upgrades to Memorial Stadium uh, that eventually turned into what the Smith Center is. Uh, but it was going to be more geared towards improvements in Memorial Stadium on the east side. Uh, balcony on the horseshoe uh, they wanted to kind of put like a uh, incorporate like a team facility office off of uh, Kirby Avenue there so when you drive by you could kind of see into the facility and though they changed the the scope of the project after doing a little bit more uh, research on that and just had the standalone Smith Center uh, but I think that is something that uh, and the next rounds of renovations that they're undergoing, and they're doing a ton on the U of I campus right now for other sports as well, with oven basketball and training facilities for baseball, softball. Diversion Park just opened. Diversion Park just opened. Possible, who knows if we're ever going to get a downtown arena for a new sport here at Illinois, hockey. Um, but I think they need to uh, they need to give back to the fans and make. The experience on the east side of the stadium almost is the same as what fans on the west side of the stadium uh, experience during games. And, you know, shore up the horseshoe. Yes. <laughs> I just, because I've never, I mean, sat in the horseshoe for a game, but from people that have, it's like, you know, they're fine, but they also, in a stiff breeze, kind of mm-hmm. wonder how much the thing's going to shift under their feet. <laughs> so I think, I mean, because all the projects going on now, I mean, I think... Whenever the next phase starts, um, that's probably going to mm-hmm. be at the top of the list because I think hockey has fallen down the list for sure, yes. and maybe by the wayside. I'm yeah, not sure knows? that that might be a, another casualty of the pandemic. We don't yeah, know because Phil. I mean, if you ask Josh Whitman, they were getting close on hockey heading like heading into 2020, mm-hmm. and then obviously you have to slam on the brakes. Yeah. With let's not do that hockey, yeah. I, is that what Chance the Rapper says? I mean, he's let's do that hockey. Let's do that hockey. But yeah, it might not be. I'm playing off of that. Let's not do that hockey right now. Yeah, and let's let's improve Memorial Stadium before we do that hockey. Before we add a, another two programs, yes, they'll have to add a women's sport. Uh, Doesn't have to be women's hockey, but they have to. Yes, have to add a second one before you add to the, maybe the the bottom line. Just get everything else on, on stable ground, but we'll see. I mean, I imagine Whitman will receive several hockey questions here in a couple hours. All right, uh, looking ahead, 
Um, 2021 season's coming up. Obviously, it's not opening in, in Dublin, the, the capital city of Ireland, like it was supposed to. It'll be here in Champaign. I kind of feel bad for James McCourt more than anyone since he's an Ireland native and was coming back for his final season and didn't think he'd get a chance to play in that game when it was announced two years ago, and now he could, but it's instead going to be here in Champaign. So maybe he just kicks the, kicks the game-winning field goal uh, at Memorial Stadium again and then goes for you know some some pints down at a bar in Green Street instead of in Dublin. Oh, I don't think he would have time to go to a bar in Dublin after the game because they'd probably be on the flight back. There probably from so. And also, like if you see James McCourt, you still have to wait to buy him a beer <laughs> from that Wisconsin game because still in college. True. Just, like, that'd be an impermissible benefit. Okay, fair enough. Um, but you know, I, jo- I kind of jotted down the looking ahead mainly. When I think looking ahead, I think of you know future schedules. And a lot of uh, these games, especially non-conference games, were uh, set up before Josh Whitman arrived. The I think it's been ten years since the Illinois Kansas series was announced, and that's <laughs> actually going to and they won't play for another they're, ten years. They're actually going to play in twenty twenty three, Scott, at yeah. Kansas, and then twenty twenty four the Jayhawks come here. It's the it's the Illinois coaching search bowl because it's going to be Brett Bielema against Lance Leipold, the, the new coach at Kansas. And just I mean, you wonder if. Buffalo didn't get both raced in the first half of that MAC championship game. If Lance Leipold's the Illinois coach, I don't know, maybe. But the timing of it all, too, looking back on it, because Whitman flew out to New Jersey on Friday afternoon to, uh, you know, kind of make the announcement with Bielema on Saturday morning. So I don't really think the outcome of the MAC title game really had a a, a decision because that happened on Friday night. So I think he had his mind made up even before, like you said, Illinois fans were. Yeah, all of them tuned in at the start of the game <laughs> yeah, all of them and turned off their TV by half at halftime. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've they've got some intriguing non-conference games uh, moving forward. The Big Ten schedule set through 2025, uh, actually next season. Uh, it's kind of a new trend that the Big Ten's going, at least for Illinois, where they're opening up with a lot of Big Ten games. Next season, they open up at Wisconsin. So that'll yeah, and be, that's that'll, uh, other teams of, have done that over the past mm-hmm. couple seasons. Like Indiana, I feel like has played a Big Ten game. Yeah, to start on the Thursday year, night, usually. a couple times. Yeah, that'll have plenty of storylines too with Brett Bielema going back to uh, to Madison. But just looking ahead at non-conference schedules, twenty twenty two, Illinois hosts Virginia, Wyoming, Chattanooga here at home. Uh, the Virginia game obviously is part of the two year series that starts this year down in Charlottesville. Twenty twenty three, they open up uh, against Toledo. Uh, I'm sure Illinois fans will have a chuckle at that, given the history between those two schools, uh, with Tim Beckman coming to Illinois from Toledo. They play at Kansas and then Florida Atlantic, not Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic. Who's even the coach at Florida Atlantic now? Uh, uh, the guy got fired at Florida State, Willie Taggart. Yeah. Uh, 2024, three home, game, three home non-conference games, Kansas central michigan and those vaunted panthers from eastern illinois university upset special okay. <laughs> 2025 the marquee non-conference game is a trip to duke uh kicks off a two-year series with the blue devils uh ohio and western michigan are coming to champaign 2026 uh there's only two games on the schedule right now duke and missouri uh here in champaign and the missouri series is one that has materialized under whitman um again this seems really bizarre to talk about so far in advance but they have a four-year 
home and home series with the Tigers from 2026 to 2029, where they're going to play twice in Champaign, twice in Columbia, and then another four-year series from 2032 to 2035. Again, home and home, two in Champaign, two in Columbia. Guess I, 2035. <laughs> I mean, I'll be I almost like, 50. College basketball proved in the past year that like you can just schedule a game yes. like the day before mm-hmm. and it'll work. Yeah. And here we are talking about Illinois Missouri football in 2035 in 14 years. <laughs> but I think that is a good sign to get the Tigers back on the schedule. I think that's a game that Illinois fans rightfully feel should be on the schedule each and every year. It's a good measuring stick for where Illinois is at too. Uh, I think it also speaks to what Whitman hopes the program will be when the series does kick off that you're playing an SEC team in uh, non-conference games because the scheduling, non-conference scheduling for Illinois in the last decade or so has been pretty softened up uh, to try to get the program kind of to that elusive six-win mark. Um, but yeah, it'll be, and I'm just glad that they're you know home and home, although it was cool to have the game in St. Louis at the the Edward Jones Dome, but uh, to get that game back on campus, uh, I think is good for both programs. Fun fact, um, a freshman in that 2035 <laughs> Illinois-Missouri game was born four years ago. All right, so my four-year-old son could play in that game possibly is what you're saying. Sure. All right. I'll, uh, I'll start uh, working on his ball-carrying skills this afternoon. I mean, that's just wild. Four yeah. year- four-year-olds are looking ahead to <laughs> can't wait to play in that Illinois-Missouri series. All right, well, can't wait for everyone to digest the latest episode of Inside Atlanta Football. Thank you, Scott, for filling in. Uh, We'll do this again at some point in the future, and we'll be back next week for another episode of Inside Atlanta Football.